believe that God's going to speak to us this morning. Second Peter chapter 3. Do be in prayer for Pastor and Sister Jordan. They will be traveling home this afternoon. will be in service with us tonight. And we're looking forward to having them back home. And uh, so we ask that you would uh, pray that God would give them safe travel. Second Peter chapter 3. Be reading two verses of Scripture in your hearing, beginning at verse number 3. The Bible says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. Verse number 4, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? We've heard it preached, we've heard it talked about. Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. He said, Peter said that in the last days there would be mockers. They would look at us and they would laugh and they would make fun and they would ask, Where is the coming of the Lord? I've heard it preached since I was uh, able to sit on a church pew as a young child. And I remember hearing, the Lord is coming. I remember singing songs about the coming of the Lord. And now, I won't tell you exactly how many years later, now at 39 years of age, I realize that I'm much more close to the coming of the Lord than I've ever been. And so I want to preach into your hearing under the unction of the Holy Ghost and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is coming. It may not have happened yet. It may not happen this day. It may not happen tomorrow. And I can't tell you that it will happen next week. But one thing I will tell you with all assurity that Jesus is coming. Would you one more time clap your hands and give praise and thanks and adoration unto the Lord. Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you, God. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, Pastor may say more upon, about it tonight, but Brother Jason Emery, to those that, you weren't, that weren't there last night, Jason Emery found Pastor in the foyer before church. He said, Pastor, do, us, do them a favor. Don't tell them that you're going to be preaching short. And we had a big laugh about that. I will be mindful of your time this morning. My voice won't allow me. And uh, so we're going to get where we're going quick. This present generation in which we live, I fear, knows very little about the return of Jesus Christ. And I would even go so far as to say that they know less about His return than did even my generation. And it's sad to say that we seldom hear it preached in our pulpits. Now, thank God for pastor, he preaches it in this pulpit, but I'm talking about the apostolic Pentecostal church in general. We rarely hear it preached from our pulpits. And I think that there are three reasons for this. Number one, that people just don't want to hear about it. It doesn't please their ears because they're happy living contrary to the Word of God. The second reason that I believe 
for this is that life is just too good for people and the coming of Jesus is seen as simply a disruption of their lives. And the third reason that I believe that it's not preached like it used to be preached from our pulpits is that we as the church, we as children of God, have lost our expectancy for His return. Therefore, it is affecting our behavior because we seem to no longer expect Him to return at this very moment. We no longer uh, seem to think about that it could happen like the Bible says it's going to happen in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And as a thief cometh in the night, the Lord is going to return for His church. The Bible is a library that contains 66 books. One-third of the books of this Bible are prophetic books. So we must understand, we must realize that we are not, uh, we understand that we are not preaching or we are not hearing messages on prophecy if we are not doing that. If we're not hearing what's going to take place in the last days, if we're not talking about it and we are not uh, having our concentration in our mind on that, then we are leaving out one-third of this book that we are calling the Bible and the Word of God. The Apostle Peter addresses these things when he said, In the last days shall come scoffers walking in their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of His coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were. Hear me this morning. The scoffer puts his finger on something that matters. Something that matters very much to us as children of God. And he asks, where is is the promise of His coming. I've heard you talk about it. I've heard you preach about it. But it hasn't happened yet. Where is the promise? And mockers ask, where is Jesus? God said that your faith is going to be tested and confronted by these mockers, by these scoffers. And he said that if you believe in heaven and if you believe in a literal hell, if you believe in the living and living godly and holy, if you believe in living a separated life from the world, the closer that you get to the coming of the Lord, you are going to face mockers and you're going to face scoffers. He was saying that the more that you believe it, the more you are going to be ridiculed. The more that you believe it, the more that you talk about it, the more that you preach about it, the more, uh, the more uh, enemies that you're going to face, the more ridicule that you're going to face, and the more uh, scaring times that you are going to face. And he said they are going to make light in spite of clear evidence of the return of Jesus Christ. And at the end of this, these two verses, we find the reason for their mocking. If we read on in the, this chapter of 2 Peter, because they will be following after their own lusts. Mockers mock because they, won't, they don't want anybody 
fooling around with their lifestyle. They mock and they ridicule and they turn a deaf ear because they don't want anybody messing with their life because they think that their life is good. They want to continue to walk like they're walking. They want to continue to live like they're living. So they mock and they ridicule children of God who stand up for righteousness, who stand up for holiness, who stand up for separation from the world, who stand up and say that in order to be uh, saved that you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. So as long as God doesn't interfere with what they are doing, they are fine with God. They are fine with us, and they are fine with us gathering, and they're fine with us having service, and they're fine with pastors preaching the word of the Lord as long as it doesn't interfere with their lifestyle. As long as it doesn't bring uh, judgment upon their life, as long as it doesn't uh, bring feelings of guiltness on their life, they are fine coming, sitting in pews, standing on the street corner, and just living their life. So the question can be answered this morning, and this answer must be impressed on our minds with the weight of testimony that the Bible gives us to the certainty of the coming of Jesus Christ by the way that all nations are moving towards Jerusalem. When we look at Jerusalem, when we look at what's happening in the Middle East, we look at the unrest, we must realize that the coming of the Lord is so very near. Take a look at Luke chapter 21 where Jesus has given us a warning. He said that there are going to be deceivers. There are going to be wars. There are going to be natural disasters. The Bible tells us in verse 20 of that chapter that when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then know that desolation is nigh. And I'm here to tell you this morning, this Sunday morning in October 2015, and I'm here to declare to you that we need to give our lives prepared for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming in the clouds just like He ascended one day 2,000 years ago. I'm sounding the alarm. I'm giving a warning to all that are under the sound of my voice this morning. The physical physical second coming of Jesus Christ is about to happen. Our faith, hear me when I say our faith is nothing more than wishful thinking if we fail to recognize that Jesus is soon to come. That is why the pressure is on us. That is why The pressure is on our families. That's because the devil knows that he has but a short time to work because Jesus is coming very soon. So I stand in this pulpit and I say along with John the Revelator, even so 
Come, Lord Jesus. God, if you come today, that would be just fine with me. If you come next week, that's okay. But God, I'm going to have my eye on the sky. And I'm going to realize and I'm going to live my life as though that you are coming this very moment. And if you don't come today, that's okay. Because I'm going to be watching and I'm going to be waiting. And I'm going to have my life in order. Because when you come calling, when you step out on a cloud of glory... I want to be ready to meet Him in the air. If that's you this morning, would you put your hands together and give God a mighty shout of praise. Even comes Lord Jesus. Peter the Apostle with the keys to the church age writes, Know this verse that scoffers will come. There are several answers that the Bible gives us as to the certainty of the Lord's return. Think with me for a moment and suppose that I was able to predict who was going to win Super Bowl 50 on Sunday, February the 27th, 2016 in Santa Clara, California. Suppose that I would be able to tell you this morning with all certainty who would win the Super Bowl. Suppose that I was able to stand in this pulpit and predict the record of every National Football League football team would finish with this season. Suppose that I could tell you the names of all one million people who in February will attend the events to be held in the Bay Area the week leading up to Super Bowl 50. Suppose with me for just a moment that I could give you the social security numbers and the addresses of all 70,000 people who are expected to be in, in the stadium for Super Bowl number 50. Suppose I was able to tell you all of those things and you were able to prove me that they were true. You were able to look back and say everything that he said was correct. Suppose all of that happened. And let me tell you what would happen the next time that someone would stand in this pulpit or the next time that I spoke to you and told you what was going to happen, you would be very quick to listen to me. Now that's far-fetched and I understand that. But I'm, I want us to think that if I was able to do that, then you wouldn't have a hard time believing what I was saying. And when you look at the Bible, it is so literally true. Daniel prophesied the exact coming of Jesus' birth 800 years before the baby Jesus ever took his first breath. He was able to tell the exact time, the exact place where the baby would be born. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin and the process of natural conception would never take place. He prophesied that his father was going to be divine from heaven and that his mother was going to be an earthly woman. Suppose that I brought to you, Micah, the only place that it is mentioned in the Word of God hundreds of years before it ever happened that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Suppose that I told you that the king 
just happens to decide to attack the nation of Israel to get the baby from Nazareth from where to where it could be born in Bethlehem, all so that the prophecy in this book could be fulfilled. Suppose that I told you that David in his writings in Psalms told you that this baby would grow up, would die on a cross only to be resurrected. Every one of the prophecies that I just told you about are not only found in the Word of God, but every one of those prophecies were fulfilled to the dotting of or to the crossing of every T and to the dotting of every I. His birth was prophesied about hundreds of years before it ever happened. I believe that the Bible is the inherent, the inspired, the infallible word of God. And this book tells us of his first coming. And it also tells us about His second coming. And just as sure as His first coming came to pass, you can rest assured that His second coming is sure to happen. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming. Take a look at the world around you. Take a look at the wars and the rumors of wars. Take a look at the persecution that just happened in the state of Kentucky. And tell me that the world that we are living in is not getting ready to experience the one of the greatest events that has ever taken place in the annals of time. But here one day and one day soon, Jesus is coming for His bride. And only those that have made themselves ready will be called up to meet Him in the air. Many pulpits are being filled all across the world today and they are preaching every doctrine imaginable. They are telling people and they are leading people astray when they preach at the end of their sermon today and they say, how many would want to be saved if you do just repeat this prayer after me? And they are giving them a false sense of hope, a false sense of of salvation when they say, all you have to do is believe and you'll be saved. But my Bible tells me something much more different than that because my Bible said that every creature must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence come on somebody with having any Pentecostals in the house with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ if you are here this morning I don't and you don't have the Holy Ghost I'm sorry I'm not meaning to point you out but before you leave this place this morning you need to make some things right in your heart you need to get your life in order you need to get your soul in order you got to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Somebody give him praise this morning. I can certainly say, I can say with all assurance, it's the best decision that I've ever made when I gave my heart to God and I allowed him to fill me with his precious gift of the Holy Ghost. The thing that concerns me is that the Old Testament people all had these prophecies. Yet they missed his birth. With all the writings that they had, still they missed that joyous event. Oh God, 
with all the prophecies and warnings that you have given us. Don't let us miss your second coming. You came the first time, but oh God, don't let us miss your second coming. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be ready when He comes. I want to have my life in order. I want to make sure that I've made my calling and election sure. And when the Gabriel blows that trumpet that faithful day, I want to make sure that I'm ready to meet Him in the air. Why? Because Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming I'm going to help you with this this morning and I'm going to do this very quickly and bring to you seven reasons why Jesus return is sure to happen number one his coming is found in the Old Testament there are 39 books in the Old Testament and they are divided into five categories and we most of us know this there are the five books of the Pentateuch from from Genesis to Deuteronomy. There are 12 books of history from Joshua to Esther. There are five books of poetry from Job to Song of Solomon. Five books of the major prophets from Isaiah to Daniel. And then there are 12 books of the minor prophets from Hosea to Malachi. In each of these five categories, the promise of Christ's return is very evident. All five divisions of the Old Testament talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because it is an Old Testament truth. They knew it back before he was ever born. It was talked about back before he ever took his first breath on this earth in that fleshly body. They heard about the second coming. They knew that he was going to come, but then they knew that there was going to be a second coming all throughout the Bible. Some say, well, we don't have to pay attention to the Old Testament. All we really got to do is pay attention to the New Testament. I don't believe that for one minute. We got to pay attention to every book of the Bible and in all five categories of the Old Testament it declares Jesus is coming get your life in order get some things right with the Lord if you're not right with the Lord you need to get right with the Lord before you leave this place because it could be this very day that Gabriel blows the trumpet and God comes back for his church heard it preached my entire life. I used to sit on, uh, I used to sit over here with uh, Brother Scott and Brother Jason. They always got me in trouble, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, okay, Jason got us in trouble. Let's just say it that way. We used to sit over here, and I used to hear service after service. I, I used to scare me to death when uh, uh I, I remember when uh, Sister Carla Rennick first got in church, she sat up here uh, either on the first or second row and, and the service would get going and something that would well up on the inside of her and she'd begin to dance and just shout all over this, uh, all over this building. And I knew that, that there's probably some things in my life that I didn't have right at that moment. And it used to scare me to death, Brother Brooks, because I think, man, what if God comes back in this service? What if God comes back tonight and I'm not ready? I would lay down my head at night, Scotty, and I would, I would cry and I'd be so scared 
scared sometimes to even go to sleep because I'm thinking, God, am I ready? God, what if you come back tonight and listen, just like that fleeting thought, one day it's going to be the day. And one day we're going to say, man, I hope I'm ready. And God's going to come calling. And God's going to step on the scene. And only those that have made their calling and election sure will be called up to meet Him in the air. And I stand in this front of this church this morning and I thank God that He didn't come then. Because I didn't know if I was ready. But I tell you right now, the older that I get, I want to live in that state of readiness. I want to live like God's coming today, even if He doesn't come for another hundred years. But I do believe that the coming of the Lord is going to be in our lifetime. I believe that every Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. And there's nothing holding God back from coming and getting His church. The second reason that I want to bring to you uh, this morning is that His Second coming is also found in the New Testament. The return of Jesus in the second coming uh, is, is the most, one of the most important doctrines that we find in the New Testament. The only thing that is mentioned more than His second coming is redemption. Jesus' second coming is mentioned, hear me when I say, 318 times in the New Testament alone. All nine authors of the New Testament mention the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The coming of the Lord is mentioned in 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica for, for only, uh, was, he was in Thessalonica, excuse me, for only three weeks and he wrote about Christ's return six times in five chapters. He wrote about prophecy. He wrote about the future in almost half of the verses of the letters to the Thessalonians. Paul wrote three letters of the New Testament. And in these letters, he wrote twice about communion. One of those times was written in connection with the coming of the Lord. He wrote 13 times concerning baptism, but the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, he wrote about 50 times. 13 times on baptism, a few times on this and on that, but he wrote 50 times concerning the rapture of the church. Don't you think that we ought to have uh, that we ought to be ready before we leave this place. Don't you think that we ought to have it as major uh, product in our services? We ought to be sitting on the edges of our seats this morning. Every time that we come into the house of God, we ought to be expecting it. Every time that we wake up in the morning, we ought to be expecting the day could be the day. And when we lay down our heads at night, we ought to expect I may not make it through the night because Jesus may very well come as I sleep on my pillow tonight. But one thing that you can rest assured in, that He is soon to come for His church. He is soon to come for His bride. And He said when He went away, He said I go now but when I go I will come again and I will receive you unto myself the Lord is 
coming. The Lord is coming. Pick up a newspaper. Turn on a TV. Watch the news. Look at what's happening in the world. I signed up for text alerts uh, from Channel 6 News. And I did it. Somebody told me I needed to do it, and I did it. I, I guess I'm a follower. I don't know. But I, I, it's staggering how within the last two months, almost every day, I'm getting a text saying that there was a shooting. There was a shooting in Indianapolis. There's a, there's a hostage situation. There's a, there was a shooting in a school in Oregon that just took place. All you have to do is look at the world around you and see that there is unrest. And the Bible says that when you look and you see all these things, you see the desolation. You see the wars and the rumors of wars. The Bible tells us to look up, to look to the sky because our redemption draweth nigh. Listen, if you are waiting from some other sign to be given, it won't be given because it's already been given. All you have to do is look, but you better get your eyes on the eastern sky because one day soon it's going to part and God's going to descend on that cloud and He's going to return for His church. What a promise. What a promise, and those, the Bible says, those that have gone by way of grave will be resurrected first. And then we are going to be gathered and caught up to meet Him and meet them in the air. And those saints that given their life for this gospel, those saints that given their blood, sweat, and tears for this church that have gone on, we're going to be caught up with them and we're going to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. I don't know about you, but my thought this morning is, God, even so Come, God, take us out of this world. God, get us out of this place and take us to our reward that is waiting in the sky. The third reason His coming is found in the book of Acts. The early church believed it. They had the biggest garage sale that you could have ever seen. They sold everything they had because they believed that Jesus was coming soon. Let me tell you about those men and women. We think that we have it rough. We think that we're going through some tough things here on earth. What caused them to be crucified upside down? Why did Paul have his head cut off? Why was every one of the apostles a martyr with the exception of John the Beloved who was banished to the island of Patmos? I tell you why. I'll tell you why they were willing to die for Jesus. And I'll tell you why they were, they were willing to become martyrs because they believed in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because they knew that death wasn't final. They knew that they would be in a place of rest for such a short time, but they knew that Jesus was going to return for them. And they knew that the dead in Christ would rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be called up to meet them in the air. They knew that His coming was sure. I wish that we believed it like the apostles believed it. I wish that we would prepare ourselves. I wish that we would fill our lamps with the oil of the Holy Ghost because Jesus is coming. Come on, say that with me this morning. Jesus is coming. Come on, say it again like you believe it. Jesus is Coming now, give God some praise in the house. Hallelujah. 
No man knows the hour or the day. So it's imperative that we get our hearts right and we keep our hearts right because He is coming. And I'm quickly drawn to a close. The fourth reason is that the angels believed in His coming. Some of the most important testimonies ever given were by angels. They were present at His birth. They were at His resurrection. Or, and they were at His ascension. They were informed and they declared, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you, shall come in like manner as you have seen Him go. I preached Jesus this morning. I preached that Jesus is coming because the angels told me when He was taken up from us, but He is coming back. He's coming back for those who have been baptized in His name, who have been filled with His Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. James, pastor of the great church in Jerusalem, said, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. For Simon hath declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take them, take out of them, rather, a people for his name. And of this agree the words of the prophet that is written. This is what the Lord is doing right now. He has taken a people for his name. That is why you have to be baptized in his name. He is coming back for a bride. And a bride, hear me, always, always without some exceptions, but always takes on the name of her husband. A bride always takes on the name of her husband. She always is connected with that husband. And you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you're going to be His bride, you have to be baptized in His name. If you're going to be in the bride of Christ, then you're going to have to take on His name by being baptized in the name of Jesus. There is an urgency in this house. There is an urgency in my spirit today when I stand and I declare to you that Jesus is coming. Then he said in Acts chapters 15 and 16, and he said, After this I shall return and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins there. Of the fifth reason this morning, it is predicted by, it, it was, excuse me, it was preached by the epistles, written by Paul, was written by Peter, by James, by John. And by Jude, Paul told the Corinthians, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of his heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. James write, writes it like this, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit, of the earth, and he hath long patience for it until he receives earlier than latter rain. But ye also 
Be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Don't think about backsliding now. Don't think about giving up now. Don't think about giving up on your conviction now. It doesn't matter uh, who does what. It doesn't matter what the world does. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit because Jesus is getting ready to come. Jesus is certain to come soon. And only those that have ran the race and finished their course are going to make it. He said, stay patient. They'll mock you. They'll make fun of you. The mockers will say, Jesus isn't coming. But look up at that moment for your redemption draweth nigh. Be looking for the coming of the Messiah. Be patient. Run. We always heard the, run, the race is not to the swift, but it's to the one that endures. Be patient. Let the world say what it wants to say, but hold fast to the faith that was once delivered to you because Jesus is coming. Peter preached it when he said, When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown that fadeth not away. John said it like this, Now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. Don't be ashamed to appear before Him. Don't be ashamed of being a child of God. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of your holiness standards. Don't be ashamed of your separation from the world. Don't be ashamed who you represent. Don't be ashamed that Christ is in you. So you ask, where is the promise of His coming? It is everywhere. It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, you can see that Jesus is coming. I'll make my last two points very quickly. It is in the Lord's Supper. It's in the communion. Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until His coming. Yes, we take communion. We break our Daniels fast with it every year, and I thank God for it. It's a special time. It's a special time to consecrate our lives. We take communion to consecrate our lives and get our sins under the blood fresh and anew. But I also take communion because I am saying, He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Come on with joy. We welcome His returning. It may be morn. It may be night or noon. But we know He's coming soon. God, I haven't lost confidence in You. God, I haven't lost confidence in your word because, God, I know that you are soon to return. I don't care what America is doing as a nation. And let me tell you, America is in the gutter as a nation. And I don't necessarily care what happens in the political realm. And I don't necessarily uh, am too concerned with what happens or who, who occupies the White House in the next presidential election. But what I am concerned 
concerned about is that Jesus is coming. It may be at morning. It may be at night or noon. I can't tell you when it's going to be, but I can tell you that He is coming. Jesus is coming. Clap your hands unto the Lord and give Him glory. Jesus is coming. I'm closing with my last point this morning. I feel it. I know it because I feel it in my heart and in my soul. It is in the heart of every believer and child of God. If you have any walk with God at all, you can feel that the Lord is soon to come. You can see it or read about it in the news headlines. You see what's happening all around the world. Famines, pestilence, unrest, earthquakes in diverse places, wars, rumors of wars, There's a political consolidation in Western Europe and a great northern confederation of nations that's heading it up. And I see the far east nations awakening from political slumber. I see Israel back in her homeland. Now there is one goal, and that is, and their one goal is simply the Annihilation of Israel and Jerusalem. They want to see it wiped off the face of the map, which was the Lord's hometown in His very own nation. And He said, when you see everything pointing back towards Jerusalem, you see everybody wanting to destroy Jerusalem, you know that I am soon to return. Every, hear me this morning, every Bible prophecy is being fulfilled. There are earthquakes I just talked about, unrest, wars, rumors of wars. And I believe, this is my opinion, but I believe that we are living in the great falling away. Many turning their backs on this apostolic message. Guys that used to stand in our pulpits and preach at our conferences that now preach it's no longer necessary to receive the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. They no longer baptize in the name of Jesus. They're walking away left and right by droves, getting caught up in false doctrine, deceiving people all over the world, all over our movement. People are turning their backs on God. Christians are being persecuted. And in some countries, they're even being killed for preaching the gospel and standing for righteousness. We are facing perilous times we are facing a great tribulation 
I don't know where you stand on your theology. I know that pastor preaches and I believe and I know this church believes that the coming of the Lord is going to be before the great tribulation. But listen, we are facing, we are staring the great tribulation right in the face. And if times are that bad, and we preach and we, we teach that God is going to return for His church before the years of tribulation, how close are we to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? How close? How many messages is it going to take preach for us to wake up and to realize that God is soon to return for His church? How many times is pastor going to have to stand in this pulpit and plead with us and beg with us to get our hearts right, to make sure that we're ready when he comes? How many times is he going to have to beg and plead with us before we wake up and we realize that we are living in the last days? We are close enough to recognize and to see these prophecies fulfilled. How close are we really to the coming of the Lord Jesus? Would you stand with me this morning? Jesus is getting ready to come for His church. He's getting ready to come for His bride. I can't tell you that it will be today. I can't tell you that you have one more day. And I can't tell you with a surety that none of us will go by way of grave before he returns. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could go down the line and look at some lives and be able to tell them, come on, quit playing around. You don't have much more time left. Quit playing around. Why don't you go ahead and sell out to this thing because you don't have much time left. I would stand on the street corner Brother Brooks, I would stand and I would cry and I would scream at them and I would tell them, I know what's going to happen. You don't have much more time. Would you please, would you please give your life to God? Would you please go ahead and dedicate your life to God? Jesus. He's coming. Denny, he's coming. Sean, he's coming. The Mike, Sister Carol, he's coming. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the world. I can't tell you what's going to happen in Israel. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the Middle East. But I can tell you that Jesus is coming. I can't tell you that there'll ever be peace in the world, but I can tell you that Jesus is coming. Get your life in order. Get your family's lives in order. Dedicate yourself to the house of God. Be in the house of God every time the doors are open. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, even the much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming. You better be ready. You better quit playing around. It's not time to play around. 
It's not time to play church. It's not time to come to church and just go through the motions and go out and live your life throughout the week however you want to live. God's not interested in that. God's not pleased with that. And if we are living at that moment, if we're living in that space of time when He returns, I hate to tell you, you're not going to make it. Make sure before you leave this place, make sure each day when you get up and each night when you go to bed, make sure that you're ready should the Lord come calling. He's coming. Don't let anything hinder your faith. Don't let anything cause you to turn around, to walk away, to throw in the towel. I don't care. I don't care how big the hurt is. There's no hurt worth losing your soul for. I don't care who said it. It's not worth losing your soul for. I don't care how they acted towards you. It's not worth losing your soul I don't know how I don't know any other way to do this. I think I want to give us time to respond. I know the hour's drawing late. First, my appeal. I make two appeals this morning. If you're in this place under the sound of my voice and you have not been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, my first appeal is to you. Before you leave this house this morning, you ought to hit your knees at an old-fashioned altar of repentance. And you ought to ask God, God, I need to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God, I've got to make sure that my life is right. And if you have not been buried in His wonderful name in way of baptism, make sure today that you go down in water baptism, calling upon the name of Jesus. That's my first appeal. My second appeal is to every other person under the sound of my voice. You may have had the Holy Ghost for 50 years. It doesn't matter. You need to make sure that your life is ready before you leave this place this morning. You've got to make sure that you're ready to meet the Lord if He comes calling or if He takes us by way of grave. You've got to make sure that you're ready. I make those two appeals. It's up to you. I've done what I can do. I've asked. I've preached. I've told you. It's up to you. The decision is yours. We're going to sing. I'm asking you to respond today. I'm asking you to take just a few minutes and go ahead and make sure that you've got things in order in your life. Come on, let's sing. With joy, we'll welcome his return. Come on, say it.
on, would you come this morning? Would you respond to the preaching of the word of the Lord? Come on, it may be morning. Be morning. It may be morning. 